What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Booming Basketball Podcast. I am Nate, here with Danny, as per usual. Today, we're back here on another Tuesday to talk some hoops. And what better way to start it off, Danny, than uh, talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have been the hottest team in basketball. But first, how are you doing, Danny? How, how are we feeling today? I am swell. The Thunder are still winning games, so that means I'm happy. Danny's uh, mental health is correlated with the success of the Thunder franchise, whether uh, yeah. that be a good thing or, or a bad thing. Yeah, it is what it is. Exactly. So um, let, let's talk about the Cavs. They're 17-1 and in their last 18 games. You know, this is right now looking like the hottest and one of the best, if not the best team in basketball the past month or two. I don't think the question, is it sustainable, is fair to ask, because obviously it's not. They're shooting 50, 40, 78 for the last, over that span, which is ridiculous. I think that they can still be a good shooting team. But Danny, how much of this is is sustainable? Um, well, I, I think that Donovan Mitchell's play is obviously going to be sustainable. I mean, he's been playing absolutely out of his mind over the, I mean, in January, he averaged 29 points per game, damn near eight assists and five rebounds. And like a guy like that just doesn't really cool off when you're like their team has so much momentum right now that I just don't really see them cooling off anytime soon. And like they're a team where like over the next like if you expand it to like 30 games, like, yeah, they might be like 24 and six. But like I don't even see that happening. Like I still think that they're going to exceed that expectation because how good Donovan Mitchell's been playing. And I know it's hard to say it with the other guys who are obviously at the top of the MVP ladder, but I think that we could both agree that Donovan Mitchell definitely deserves some sort of recognition in that department. I'm really glad you said that because I think a lot of people just overlooked Donovan Mitchell because of his height, but he is legitimately playing like a top five MVP candidate this year. He's been super vital to their success. A thing I love about Don actually this year is Danny, he's, you know, we all know Donovan Mitchell is a great scorer. We've seen how, how awesome he is at doing that in the past, even though he struggled last year in the playoffs, he does have a 57 point playoff game. The dude can score the basketball. That's never been the issue. The other thing that had been a bit of a question, especially with him filling in for point guard for Garland for a lot of the year Donovan Mitchell's playmaking has gotten a lot better this season, and you can't just look at the assist numbers. I mean, they they are career high over six for the first time in his career, but he's just he's moving the ball better. He's making his teammates better, and I think that Donovan Mitchell's unlocking a whole new facet to his game that we didn't even know he had at first. I mean, yeah, if you look at, I mean, I would say probably in January there was a stretch of games where Mitchell went thirty nine points, thirty six points, twenty six, thirty seven, forty one, thirty seven. And when you have a guy that's scoring that much, like, obviously your assist numbers are going to inflate because, like, maybe later on because teams will start maybe... Well, you mean, like, because they have the ball so much and they're going to have to pass out of, like, necessity? Yeah, yeah, because other teams will definitely try to neutralize him. But, I mean, you can't do do that with a guy like Donovan Mitchell. But, like, that, that, that might be what some people think is happening. But Donovan Mitchell is actually setting his teammates up for easier buckets, which is, like... I mean, it is something that we saw in Utah somewhat in the sense that they they had a very pick-and-roll heavy offense with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, Gobert and Donovan pick-and-rolls. Yeah, it was a nightmare for other teams, but... Now, like well, Don- think, Donovan's actually like, like moving the ball though, like under his own power. It's not like it's not like just pick and rolls with Jared Allen. It's like he's genuinely dragging defenders off of his teammates and finding the open man. It's great to watch. Yeah, and I 
I think the thing that too with him is Mitchell used to kind of make up his mind before he would like do a move. Like yeah. if he was driving to the paint, you already knew he had made up his mind he was going to shoot it. But his decision making has improved a lot. He's going to the paint, driving defender or drawing defenders in with his drives and the driving kicks that he's been able to uh, create. Which, uh, excuse me, the driving kick opportunities he's created from just driving, penetrating the D because they're so scared of him finishing at the rim has been great. And they're kicking out the shooters. Georges Niang, even though he's not having an incredible season, he's had some big games. He's been one of their better shooters this year. Sam Merrill's come out of nowhere and been a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. And the whole Cavs bench has been really awesome. Sam Merrill's been really, really, really good. Shout-out to my man Cavs Supply. I know he's a huge Sam Merrill fan, but uh, Sam Merrill's been really, really, really good, and he's been a huge reason why their bench is so good. Even Max Struess, who's not shooting the ball terrifically this year, only 40% from the field and, you know, 35% from three, it's just not what they expected from Max Struess. But Max Struess's all-around game has been much better, too. And I feel like this whole Cavs team right now is really just playing for each other and really embracing their roles. Yeah, I mean, Struess is—how much is Struess averaging this year? What is it, about 16? 15? Struess is averaging like 13, 13, 5, and 3. Yeah, exactly. But that's a guy who fits his role, though. Like like you said, like the Cavs are— Yeah, he polishes game all around. Like, like in a way, the Cavs, like, I don't want to say, like, remind me of the Heat or the Nuggets because they just don't. But, like, in the sense of, like, team play, like, every guy on that team has a role. Like, everyone's touching the ball on them. Exactly. It's great to watch. And, I mean, like, obviously everybody knows that Donovan Mitchell's the lead guy. He's going to be your main go-to scorer. But other guys need to play their parts, too. And, I mean, like, Jared Allen's been doing that. Mobley's definitely been playing better than... You know how he used Mobley's three point shooting yeah. has been a revelation since he's got back. He's shooting seventy five percent from three damn near since he returned from injury. And it was last. He's only taking one year. point. <laughs> I <laughs> Evan Mobley's jump shot was really broken last year, it but he's looking like he's figuring it out a little bit more. It's still his his volume is very low. He's only taking one point two attempts per game yeah. in that stretch that I said he's shooting the seventy five percent, but. I mean, I'll take that over shooting 19% on one attempt per game. It's definitely better that they can't just leave him. Teams haven't been able to just leave him wide open, naked, sitting in the corner, exactly. dancing around with his clothes off. Like it's, <laughs> he, he's he's been good enough that if he gets an open shot in the corner, or you know, if if the defense collapses and he's the one open, where he's now confident hitting that shot, I'd like to still see it continue to improve. But come playoff time, it's still I'm still worried about this team's floor spacing. Yeah, and you know. I still see a lot of redundancy with having Jared Allen and Mobley on the same team. I just, I do, because, you know, I, like I said, Mobley's shooting the ball better, but 1.2 three-point attempts per game is not enough better for me to just think that two interior centers are going to work, because that's what I think Mobley really is. I think Mobley's more naturally fit as a center. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, but aside from Max Struess and Donovan Mitchell, there's not a lot of playoff experience over there in Cleveland. No. Like... No, they don't. Jared Allen was on the Nets. Yeah, Evan Mobley has you know been on the Cavs his whole career. Exactly. Max Struess, obviously, like you said, was with the Heat. Sam Merrill was with the Bucks. So he, I mean, but he really was only yeah, there for a season and barely played. Yeah. So you, you got a lot of young guys. Karis Levert's never really been on a playoff team or done anything like that. Garland, obviously, no. I mean, Tristan Thompson has, but he's kind of suspended and yeah. cheating on multiple women <laughs> at the same time. So he's a bit of a little bit of a mess. Tristan over there. Thompson really took performance that. enhancing drugs to enhance his performance to. Like three and three, his clapping it helps. Uh, he faster clap reaction timing uh, and reactions to dunks on the bench. He's gotten really good at that. I yeah. think we ought, ought to give him some praise for that, Danny. No, he's god awful. Um, one thing that I did want to say about Mobley before though is that I do think that he's a better player than his stats say. I, I know that his stats have obviously gotten better over the past month. His at defensive least, but impact is also insane. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. His defensive impact is insane. You don't see a lot of this stuff 
that you know contributes oh. to being a good player just in stats. Like I said, he's a guy who fills his role, but he also has guys scoring the ball ahead of him, such as Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, who are definitely better scorers than Evan Mobley is. So Evan, Evan doesn't really need to go out and average like 19 points per game, 18 points per game. But like, I think that I want to ask you a question. He could then. be that guy eventually. Hmm. Let me ask you a question, Danny. What's up? So if if you're the Cavs in this situation, let's say you are going to trade one of them. Jared Allen's obviously still pretty young. He's not even in his prime yet. Um, you have him and how great he's been playing, but then you also have Mobley. Let's say you have to trade one of them. If you're the Cavs, which one of those players are you trading in the offseason then? That can also include like what value you're going to be getting back for who, because yeah. you'd probably be getting more from Mobley. But yeah. I, if you were in their situation, what would you do this offseason? Saying, like, let's pretend the Cavs don't work out in the playoffs. They're a first-round exit again. What are you doing with this Cavs team? Okay, I was about to say, right now I'm not touching shit. <laughs> but No, yeah, right now but, you shouldn't touch shit. Yeah, no, but if I had if I had a gun to my head and I had to trade one of them, or if, you know, if there has to be— Because only 25. Yeah, or if there had to be moves in Cleveland, I, I think I'd trade Mobley over Jarrett only because of the fact that yes you get more value out of Mobley but also I feel like I feel like it's harder to replace the production that Jarrett Allen gives than it is the production that Mobley gives as crazy as that sounds they're they're both great on the defensive side of the ball but <clears throat> if you trade away Mobley I'm getting a fucking call damn it what the fuck who is this oh. All day and evening classes are canceled tomorrow. Oh! Let's go! Nah, that's staying in the podcast. I don't care. (laughs) Let's go! Let's go! (laughs) Classes are canceled. Let's go. Yes, sir. Oh, that's awesome. That is Let's fucking go. That's sick. Yeah, I'm waiting for my call All right, that was worth interrupting. So what were you saying, though, about Mobley? I was saying, like, Mobley, like, you can't... I say that it's harder to replace... I think it's harder to replace what Jarrett Allen does than it is to replace what Evan Mobley does because we've seen Evan Mobley, like like we said last year, I mean, three-point shooting splits See, with Daniel Lappable. I, Lappable. With, I almost, But I, I only say Mobley because I think like what you get back is for sure more yeah, than what so, you get back get for Jarrett Allen. For Mobley. Yeah, exactly. And those guys that you get back, like you can get back one guy who can produce the same amount of production as Mobley, maybe not defensively, but offensively, the same way, but I think and you can get a, you and you can get you know deeper, and I, I don't know. I, I would rather trade Mobley. Well, I, I think the whole thing is just just different because like you're saying, you you think you might miss more with Allen than Mobley. I don't really think that's the case. I think it's honestly very similar what both of them give you when they're on the court alone. But it seems that they've played better without Mobley than they have without Allen. Yeah. So I'm gonna you know I really love Jared Allen's fit with Mitchell too. He's like it's like a Rudy Gobert and exactly. Mitchell like pairing 2.0 except for Allen's a lot more athletic and can finish the lobs better. Obviously not as good a defender as Gobert, but still a very very good defender. Yeah. And you know I if you trade Evan Mobley this summer, you could get a lot back for him like a Hall or a potential other you know young star to go next to Mitchell. I, I don't know. I want to just give the Cavs their flowers right now. I don't want to turn this into just oh can they keep it up or not? Like give the Cavs their flowers. They've been great. My, I think. Do you think they're going to stay a top two seed? Because I don't know if I'm going to say. I don't know if I think they'll stay at two, depending on the Knicks getting healthy yeah. and if the Bucks can turn it around. But I still think they're they're going to finish top three. Yeah, there's obviously other teams in the West that could definitely. Or sorry, not in the West. My bad. The in West. The, in the East. Yes. I, I did this last episode too. In the East, that could obviously <laughs> turn it around. But, dude, if you're like like if you're this hot, like I I don't know, bro. Yeah, they're like, really hot. They're hot. Like seventeen and one over they're the last eighteen is ridiculous. 
Dude, Jared Allen is sexy. Yeah, Jared Allen's hot. What? Nah, his fro, what? His fro is. I, I'll stand on that. He does have a great fro. I'll stand on business with that. The, the whole... While we're here, then, I guess we can bring that transition this, um, the transition this over to the Knicks because I think that the, you know, the biggest threat to them keeping the two-seed now is going to be the Knicks when they eventually get healthy. Obviously, the past few games, they've been missing Hartenstein with the Achilles injury. Uh, Randall's still not back yet after the All-Star break, hopefully. They said uh, last week that in three weeks he would be reevaluated. OG Ananobi had surgery to remove a bone spur, which is not a serious surgery, but they said he'd be reevaluated in three weeks. Do you think that the Knicks are going to be out or not healthy for enough time that they're not going to have a chance at the two seed? Or, or do you think that, you know, once they come back and the Cavs could come back down to earth, that the Knicks are going to have a chance to grab that? Because right now there's still only a few games separating it. What's the Knicks record currently? Right now the Knicks are currently 33 and 20, 33 and, 20. and the Cavs are 35 and 16. So they're three games back. They were only a half game back just a few days ago. The Bucks are now ahead of the Knicks two at thirty four and nineteen. All right, so thirty three and twenty. So they played fifty three games. So they got damn damn near. So they got twenty nine games left. Damn near thirty. Um, I I I could see them getting healthy in enough time because OG's out for two weeks. Correct. At least three. At He's least three. Evaluated in three. Okay, so he'll probably be back around like right after Randall or it's right around the same time as Randall. Timetable for them. Both of them, yeah, and then Mitch Mitchell Robinson could be coming back too. But oh, really? Uh, see, the thing is, I just don't think that there's enough time for this Knicks team to get healthy again. And I don't think the Bucks right now really are going to flip it around with the you know the snap of a finger, especially with Doc Rivers being there. I really am not yeah. a believer in Doc Rivers. Neither uh, am I. But uh, that's besides the point. I mean, or it's not besides the point. But I think that you know the Cavs right now they have a two game lead on the Bucks. They have a three game lead on the Knicks. They're healthy right now. They're still playing great basketball. I see them probably coming back down to earth a little bit, but I don't see any reason why they still can't keep up, you know, like a 70% win percentage for the rest of the year. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that the Cavs are going to lose their two seed. I wouldn't be the most shocked if someone came up and, you know, took the two seed and they were the three seed. But I think, yeah. honestly, if I had to predict something, the Cavs are still getting the two seed in my eyes. Yeah, I could definitely see the Cavs still getting the two seed because, like we said, there's only like 29, 30 games left in the season. I think the Cavs are playing right now. But, um, there's only like 29, 30 games left in the season, and when you're 17 and one in your last 18 over the last 30 games, I'm sure that they're probably gonna at least win 20 of them. Probably, at, like being this hot, they're probably gonna at least end up winning yeah, 20 I, of them. I think unless, that's pretty reasonable. Unless the All Star break has some sort of malice effect on them. Well, it's interesting. The All Star break is interesting because either like you could view it as a positive, like yeah. they need rest, or it's gonna ruin some momentum. Exactly. The Knicks definitely need it. The Bucks definitely need it. Mm-hmm. But. For the Cavs, honestly, it's probably not the best thing for them with how good they've been playing. Unless you know they lose like two before the break. But comes, like, but but like, I I, I want to say as weird as this sounds, but I don't feel like it sounds that weird as I think about it. Like, yeah, they're seventeen and one over their last eighteen, but that doesn't necessarily a hundred percent translate to playoff success. And I could definitely see it. Like, I don't know, like maybe like a six seed or a six seed or like have- a five seed, just like taking them out and just. I, I I don't know I they have, I I don't know if I necessarily believe in them as contenders only because the playoff experience is just not there. But we were, we were talking about the Knicks, but I don't think that the Knicks can catch them. I, I think that they'll probably retain their yeah, two seed, and I think that the Knicks will probably end up I, being like a four seed, five seed. 
I think if the Knicks can keep it, the Knicks' ideal for them is to get a top three seed because yeah. I still think if they're the four seed, I don't think they want to face Joel Embiid if he comes back in the no. first round and they're playing the Sixers. No, thank you. I just don't. <laughs> like even even if the Knicks are healthy, which they should be by then, I still I don't want to face Joel Embiid because he's well, as good as Hartenstein's been this season, yeah. as good as Mitchell Robinson has been. Embiid is unstoppable sometimes, and he has a pretty good track record against the Knicks. So. I would be a little afraid if the Knicks have to play uh, the Sixers in the first round. And then that frees up Maxi too, if Embiid comes back. Yeah, but I, the whole thing is, it's Embiid. It's the, Embiid yeah. is the guy that yeah, scares I me. Know. Yeah. As good as Maxi is, Ma- Embiid is the guy that really scares me. And even though he doesn't have the best playoff history, he's so talented that he could change that at the you know any time. It's it's bound to happen eventually. And if he plays the Knicks, that would probably be the time it would happen because it's the Knicks and everything seems to be on the wrong side of history for them. Um. But aside from that sweep last did, year, well, I'm, I meant in like history, history. Yeah, the yeah, past yeah. Few no, years I, I, know you, I know what you're Knicks, saying. I know what you're saying. The twenty, the two thousands as a whole hasn't been the nope. the greatest century for them. Sorry, right. but the Cavs, you know, looking at the Cavs, they've beaten some weak teams in this run. They beat the Wizards three times in this run, uh, the seventeen and one stretch. They beat the Bulls. They beat the Spurs twice. They beat the Grizzlies. They beat the Hawks. They beat the Raptors, and. You know, they did beat the, but that the whole thing is they've beaten a bunch of bad teams, but they beat the Kings, they beat the Clippers, they beat the Bucks three times in that, or they beat the Bucks two times in that span, lost to them once, and they beat Orlando. So it's definitely, it's, it's intriguing because I don't know if we know this team is for real yet because they're beating up on the bad teams and, but they've had some decent success against the good teams too. So I, I really think it's just going to come down to we're not going to know exactly how good this team is until we see them in the playoffs. No, I 100% agree with that because, bro, it's a lot different when you're going against, you know, it's it's a lot different when you're going against, like, if they were to go against the Bucks in a four-game series, like they, like you saw, they won two of, or sorry, yeah, they won two of the three that they've played against them in the past 20. And, like, in a seven-game series, that means you're only up 2-1. And that's not 100% safe if you're going against Giannis. And the the whole thing with people saying like, it, it, let's face it, as good as Donovan Mitchell has been this season, if they play the Bucks, the Bucks do have the best player on the court, which does mean something. You know, having a guy like Giannis in a playoff series is scary. So, and even if the Cavs do get out of the first round, they probably they wouldn't be playing Milwaukee in the first round no, regardless. No, but no. you're saying like, if they had to get to the, if they're trying to get to the conference finals or the finals, they're most likely going to have to play Milwaukee well, at some point, unless Milwaukee gets bounced. I'm just, which I don't see happening in the first round. I'm just, I'm just saying, going to play against a good team in the regular season is a lot, a lot different than playing a game, yeah. a team in a seven, a good team in a seven game series. Because, bro, good, especially good, good teams, teams, exactly, good teams will figure you out. They're more experienced. Um, they'll game plan because you know most teams have good coaches, um, so it, it it's completely different than in the regular season. I mean, Bickerstaff regular, regular does season there's some credit this year. Who? Bickerstaff has been a very oh good yeah, 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 season, yeah yeah but yeah. again like it's the playoffs is a whole different animal. You 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 got to change things up. There's so much more adjusting on the fly. There's different types of defenses, different looks. I'm not a head coach, but we all know that playoff basketball has a very different feel and strategy than normal basketball in the regular season. 100%. And I do want to make a note really quick. It is still early, but the 76ers are currently leading the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it's almost halftime. I think they're going to lose tonight. This is being recorded on Monday, the day before Tuesday. Uh, if That's how a day's work, in case you guys were wondering. <laughs> um, but I really... I want to give a shout-out to those two small guys, though, Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell, who should yeah. both be top five in MVP consideration, MVP voting. Right now, last uh, 
the last leader I saw on NBA.com had Mitchell at 10, and Brunson was still not even in the top 10, which is just baffling to me. That is it's awful. It's disgusting the amount of... He gets so shaded by the media. Brunson's averaging 27.5, 6.5 assists on almost 50% from the field as a 6-foot player. He's tall. A lot of the people listening to this might be taller than Jalen Brunson. Donovan <laughs> Mitchell, too, for that matter. So, you know, neither of their teams would be even close to where they are without them. Like, they have done two of the biggest carry jobs of any two players this season. The Knicks literally lost two of their last three games, and Brunson dropped 35-plus in both. He's having to score 40-plus points for them to win on some nights, especially with their injuries. Obviously, though, Donovan Mitchell played throughout a lot of injuries with his team, with Mobley and Garland being out for a while. So I really just want to give a shout-out to them because everyone talks about, like, Luka, Nikola Jokic, Luka... I just said Luka twice. Luka Doncic, (laughs) Nikola Jokic, Giannis, you know, Embiid, those guys. But I don't think people give enough credit to... You know, Don and Jalen, just because they are seen as like, these smaller guys, and there's this stupid stigma around that. But I yeah, just wanted to give a little shout out to them. I know you you like uh, the little Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson action yourself. Yeah, of course. Who was a uh, who was like ten and nine on that list? Or I mean, you said you said uh, Mitchell was Sabonis was in there, Tatum was in there, Booker I think might have been in there. I don't uh... remember. SGA was in there. SGA obviously should be. Yeah, yeah, him, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not 100 percent certain about the Booker thing. Sabonis has been having a great. Yeah, Sabonis has been having a great season, but I don't know about over. The thing Brunson. is, okay, I'll say this right now. Looking at Jalen Brunson and give me a guy like Jason Tatum. His look at the box scores. Obviously, yeah. Tatum's on the one seed, but look how much better Tatum's team is than Brunson. He has Kristaps Porzingis, Derek White, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown. They have all these guys, and the next team is good. Like they're, I'm not saying they're bad, but. You know, before the OG on Anobi trade, they definitely had some struggle. They have been a lot better since that. Their bench wasn't that great until they just traded for Bojan and Burks, which should hopefully help. But I I, I would rather have Jalen Brunson this season than Jason Tatum. I, I, I don't care. Like, I would rather have Donovan Mitchell right now this season than Jason Tatum. I think that this whole name thing and the size and looking at people's physicality and, you know, skills on paper just blinds a lot of people because Jalen Brunson is eighth in the NBA in scoring this year. Donovan Mitchell is right ahead of him. And, you know, these are two small guys who have been outplaying a lot of the biggest players in the league. And I just, I really, really want to emphasize that I think that just because you are small does not have any impact at this point in time on your ability to lead a team or lead them to a championship. I think a lot of it is, you know, the the support around them. You saw Last year, if Jalen Brunson had had any sort of help in that series against Miami, the Knicks can win that series because Jalen Brunson had 40 points in in the elimination game. R.J. Barrett played terrible. Julius Randle played terrible. The entire Knicks team shot like shit. So, you know, I don't think there's really a single player in the league right now that's being asked to shoulder more of a load than Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson have been the past few months. Yeah, no, I I, I 100% agree with that. It, it's also, it's a lot of bias towards the one seed, the whole Tatum thing, because I, I actually could agree with you on that, just based off of pure, I, I mean, you know, what the MVP should well, be. I just don't know how you're most... What the MVP should be I don't in know terms of how much value you bring to your team. Exactly. Jalen. I don't know how you can be the most valuable player when you have four other all-stars in your starting lineup. <laughs> that I just don't get that. You, I don't think you can argue that. It is pretty because, ridiculous. like... You're not the most. The Celtics would still be a very good team without Tatum. They wouldn't be yeah. as good, but they would be a very good team. 
The Knicks would probably be a fringe playoff team, if not a lottery team without Brunson. The Cavs would probably be a lottery team without Brunson. They were before they got, or not Brunson, Mitchell. without Mitchell. They were a lottery team before they got Mitchell. And, you know, I just think it's it's crap that these guys don't get enough credit because just because they're small doesn't mean they're not the best player on the court. The whole thing when Richard Jefferson and, like, Austin Rivers were saying that the Knicks are never going to have the best player on the court and then trying to say that Damian Lillard was still better than Brunson because of the past record. Like, this is not 2020. Jalen Brunson is better than Donovan, or is better than Damian Lillard. Donovan Mitchell is better than Damian Lillard. Tyrese Halliburton is probably better than Damian Lillard. Yeah. It's just, you know, these small guys don't get the credit they deserve, and I'm tired of it. It's crap. I mean, Lillard's literally an all-star starter just based off of bias. His name? Yeah. It's it's just, it's literally just name bias. Like, I, 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 this is honestly the one time where I could say I wish that recency bias, like, took itself into effect. Because <laughs> if it was recency bias, dude, Jalen would be fucking starting. Which is, if it was just anyone with like a, if they didn't have the stupid fan voting, yeah, we can't. I hate fan voting. It's Get terrible. rid of it. it it's sucks. Terrible. It's shit. The the fans are half the people that vote are casuals, or um, biased yeah, as fuck. Know, just, yeah, I am. I'm not like like. Well, I, I am. I am dying on this hill supporting Jalen Brunson, but still, I but, think you just watch the games, look at the numbers. Like these two guys have been incredible this year. Two small guys out playing guys that are six five plus average height of the NBA player six six, you know two of these smallest guys in the court every single night are going out and dominating and I just think that's really special. Well, the thing is, bro, like I, I understand it because I get I get all the Knicks games. I watch all the Knicks games. I I'm not a Knicks fan, but I I a hundred percent. And you're short, so you get it. Yeah, and I'm short, so I, yeah. But no, I a hundred percent. I a hundred percent see what you're saying, and I a hundred percent agree with you. I don't think that where you're coming from is by. I mean, it, sure, it might be a little bit to you, but. It doesn't really sound crazy to me as a, you know, I'm not even a Knicks fan. And it doesn't even sound crazy to me that you're putting Brunson ahead of Tatum in terms of, like, valuable to their team right now. Speaking of MVP candidates and hot teams, I want to take a little trip over to the Western Conference where we have the L.A. Clippers, who are the hottest team in the West. They're 16-4 and in their last 20 games. And Kawhi Leonard is another guy I think needs to be getting more MVP love, Danny. Averaging 25.6 in his last 30, six rebounds, almost two steals. He's fourth in the NBA in steals per game. He's shooting 56, 50, 92. What the fuck? <laughs> 30 games. This is not a small sample size. Like, it's ridiculous. It, it's absolutely insane because, like, I, it happens every single season where, uh, not, not to this extent, because th- those shooting splits are absolutely insane, but... It, it seems like it happens every season where Kawhi doesn't start out of the gate on fire. Like, obviously a great player, but he doesn't, he's he, doesn't, it he, doesn't, he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't come out of the gate on fire. And then, like, like the, like the flip switches on his robot having ass, bro. And he just, like, <laughs> he just turns up. Like, how do you just randomly start shooting that insane o- over? I just think. Talking about robots, though, his he's just he looks so mechanic. Like everything, his muscle memory is ridiculous. Uh, like you have the the four of the the four best scores for the Clippers are all shooting over forty percent from three. Like this team is a flame throwing yeah. bunch of guys. They are incredible shooters. Norman Powell, James Harden, uh, Paul George, and Kawhi all shooting over forty percent from three this season, and they're all taking at least two and a half attempts per game. So. You know, or not even two and a half attempts per game. They're all shooting over four and a half attempts per game. Sorry. So even bigger sample size. And then you have Westbrook off the bench. Robert Covington, obviously, they traded him and a bunch of guys to get Harden. But they have 
Mason Plumlee, who's been starting for Zubac, even though Zubac was having a great year. Once they get him back, they'll be even more scary because, you know, Batum, or not Batum, Plumlee's not the greatest defender. But they, they've made do, and I really just, they work. This big three works. As, much, as many concerns as people had about them, they work. James Harden has completely revolutionized his game to being yeah. a full-time playmaker, and he's scoring when needed. He's been efficient as hell shooting the basketball, like, jump shot-wise. I don't think I've ever seen James Harden shoot this well from three. And, you know, it's just been really, really good to see because it really looks like James Harden really cares about winning now. Exactly. He definitely does care about winning a lot more now, it seems like, because he hasn't. we haven't seen really any of that, like, you know, bullshit that we had in Philly where, like, he would be upset or, like, he would say something in the media and it would be interpreted He's averaging almost a block a game. I know Harden? that doesn't, like, translate to defense. Yeah, he's averaging almost he's averaging pretty crazy blocks a game. And pretty crazy point two He's trying. Because yeah. I think he realizes finally that this is his last chance at a ring. Exactly. If he doesn't win it here, it's not happening. Exactly. We discussed this in a uh, in a Clippers video earlier on. Yeah, we and we, we had a we said this is their last you chance. You guys can check that out on our YouTube channel. We did a we did a video talking about the Clippers' upcoming season, and a lot of what we said was true so far. They traded for Harden to make that final push. This is really their last run with these group of guys, but they're all playing terrific. Paul George and Kawhi are both playing at an all defensive level, and then being you know all stars obviously on the offensive end. So, Paul George, I mean, I'm not Paul George, but how, like, I'm sorry, but, like, if, even though Kawhi's only averaging, like, 24 a game total on the season, as good as he's been, like, the past 30 games, like, that's low points per game, seeming for an MVP, but he's still giving you top-tier defense, even though he's not yeah. as elite as he once was. Bro, he's, over his last five, he's, from the field. over his last five, he's averaging three steals. Kawhi. Yeah, 50, 53% for the field, 46% from three, and 89% from the line. That's an MVP candidate to me. I don't know. If the Clippers are a top two seed or they lock up the one seed, I think he's definitely got to get consideration for it. And, you know, this is one of the best regular seasons Kawhi's ever had, and his shooting efficiency has been ridiculous. He's locked in so hard right now. And he's one of my favorite players to watch because when he is like this, when he's in this kind of scoring uh, stretch, it seems like everything he puts up is going in. His mid-range game is great. His three-point game has been absolutely fantastic as well. And he's really had no weaknesses. He's one of the most complete players in basketball. And it seems like every time he comes back from injury, people forget that he's a top three player in the world when healthy. That's what I was about to say, dude. I was about to say he's 100%. Like when he turns it up and he flips the switch, he's 100% a top. I was going to say top five, but top three definitely could be a consideration. I'll I'll put Kawhi in the top three when he's healthy. I don't think there's a single player in the NBA that I would take in the playoffs to lead my team over Kawhi. As good as Jokic is, as good as Giannis is, I understand finals. Because Kawhi can make shots from all three levels. He can defend the opposing team's best player and lock them down. And he's not going to really take stupid shots. He's a super high IQ player. Even though he takes some contested ones, he knows he can make those. And down the stretch of games, Kawhi is one of the best closers we've ever seen in the playoffs, even in the regular season at times. And, you know, just having those long arms and being able to shoot over people, he's super, super strong. He goes to that post fade. It's almost unguardable because no one can keep with him when he's bumping them and then, you know, fading back with those long arms. His shot is impossible to block almost. And, you know, I just, I really think that Kawhi is definitely an MVP candidate for me. I'd probably have him, you know, third right after uh, Jokic and um, SGA right now just because I'd have Luka at fourth. Don't, not because of Luka really, but just because the Mavericks aren't winning as many games. But right now I, I really would have Kawhi top three for MVP. Dude, I mean, the Clippers are like so just good right now. Like they just like look like, I mean, they are one of the best teams in basketball. 
And honestly, like thinking about it now, dude, like I I might have them as my title favorites. I'm not even gonna lie to you. They are for me easily. If they can stay healthy, I I can't see a team beating them in seven games. It would three stars who are all playing at the top of their game and elevating each other. It was the Nuggets originally for me, but I, I like it's just when I think about Kawhi, the first thing that comes to my head is his playoff success and just how much of a different player he turns into in the playoffs. It's absolutely ridiculous. It is literally like he just, like, takes, like, mad steroids and just turns into the greatest player of all time. It's, I, like, I keep going, because, I, 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 like, he leaves me speechless. I don't even know what to say about this man, bro. He's, well, like the, you said, he's shooting 50, 50, 89. That's ridiculous. What? <laughs> yeah, no, his shooting splits are like he's putting up Steph Curry numbers, but like his field goal percentage is also like like fifty three percent from the field total for a guy that shoots a lot of perimeter jumpers is actually you know almost unfathomable. Dude, and like you said, like the lateral quickness, like obviously declined a little bit due to the fact that he's getting older, but like he's still a his fantastic. That's regressed. <laughs> yeah, his two K lateral quickness regressed. No, but he's still like a great defender dude i mean like last game he had or sorry not last game um over the last five he's averaging three steals he's getting blocked still he, he hasn't won a game it's not even just the steals though and blocks he yeah. just always knows where exactly to he has he's such a really high defensive iq he's a great switch by. defender he's awesome he he's knows how, everything on he knows how to play a pick and roll perfectly knows how to play a pick and roll perfectly because his iq is so damn high he's, he's a robot i'm telling you Kawhi leonard is yeah. a robot Kawhi being a robot really both ends of the f- floor. He's he's really one of the more flawless players I think that we have in basketball. He's good at everything pretty much. He's not the best playmaker, but he's gotten better. There, Everyone on this Clippers team has a role is what I love. Harden's been their playmaker and scorer when they need to. Kawhi and Paul George are obviously the two top guns. Zubac was their garbage man and, you know, guy that would just get all the boards and he was really good down low in the paint, their rim protector. It's been different having Mason Plumlee in because he's not as good of a defender, but he's a great rebounder in that way of being like the garbage man. He can operate on the pick and roll offensively. He's still solid. But, you know, it's just everyone I think is really absorbing or and playing their roles and accepting it and, you know, buying into it. And I think that's been a huge part of things because Ty Lue is a great coach and you have to let great coaches coach. And what, with what they have, especially with Westbrook and, you know, Powell off the bench, they have one of the best wow. benches in the league. I just really don't see a lot of flaws with this Clippers team. Westbrook finally just fell into the perfect role. It, it's so awesome. It only took him and, 15 years. Yeah, I know. And, like, dude, there's three guys on that team who I would, like, love to see win a championship who were just part of my childhood, Paul George, yeah. James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. If they all got a ring on that the same team that together, that'd be awesome. Like, that'd be so sick. Um, One thing there's that I want to mention— some- if we take a little flash to Kawhi's playmaking, I don't. I, I think it was his second career triple double he had against the Lakers, like last week. Yep. Yeah, second career triple double. Congratulations to Kawhi. Probably gonna end up doing it Good again job, in his Kawhi. career. You get, a, you get a nice little cookie. Yeah. I think for you, if there was, a, I know you're a Thunder fan, obviously, but. So if there's any other team you wanted to win, I think would it be the Clippers, just because they do have like the connection to Thunder <laughs> with James Harden, Paul George, and Powell. Um, would that would that be a little less painful if they were to win it instead of you guys? If if anyone else had to win it, would you rather it be them, or is there just as much hatred for them as any yeah. other team out west trying to compete with you? Uh, well, I Russell Westbrook really just like it, he's a real needle mover for me because like you know James Harden, I I never experienced that James Harden. You know yeah, what I Westbrook mean? Westbrook is like your your childhood. Yeah, Westbrook is literally my childhood. Like that is who I grew up watching as a Thunder fan. He 
is him and KD are the reason why I got into basketball in the first place. I would just love to and see Russell. And KD is the reason you almost got out of basketball. Yeah, K- well, no, KD is the reason why I got more into basketball because Russ started turning up, and Russ made me just like lose it, dude. He was awesome on the Thunder. But no, I would love to see him get a ring. And honestly, if I were to see any other team win it, it would either be them or the Nuggets, just because I love Jokic so much. But it, it would be yeah. It, How can you not like Jokic, dude? It would like yeah, sure. It would be a little repetitive, but like it's so funny just watching him like look like he just doesn't like like this might sound like a casual take, but like it's just not. It's just facts. He just looks like he doesn't care. Like he plays like he definitely cares a little bit, at least a little bit. But oh, I think he's just one of those all work <laughs> no or all business. Yeah, all yeah, exactly. What is it? All no no fun all. Something like that. He he's all business is is what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah, exactly. He yeah he is all business. But like, another he, note though, I wanted to talk about Harden. Harden's only he's averaging eight and a half assists per game this year, yeah. which is actually the lowest mark since 2019-20 when he was with Houston. But he's also averaging the lowest or lowest amount of turnovers per game since he was in OKC. So like since we've seen prime James Harden, this is the most efficient we've ever seen him. He's shooting a career high from deep. He's shooting forty four point eight percent from the field, which for Harden is above his career uh, average at forty four point two. So I'm really I think a lot of the people that were critical of James Harden and saying that he was the reason for them not being good at first, they're really eating their words right now because he has been what's really changed them and taken them from a good team to a great team. So you got you really got to give Harden a lot of credit for this year because he's been awesome. Well, I will say, I'm not doubting your point, but you said that the uh, assist numbers went down and the turnover numbers went down, but what's the assist-to-turnover ratio? Did that, that went down, too? No, it went up. Oh, it went up? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah, it went up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah, is. fantastic. I mean, but also, I, I mean, like, that's what's going to happen, dude, when you have, like, a guy like Kawhi on your team, a guy like Paul George on your team. Like, yes, I understand that James Harden had Tobias Harris and... Joel Embiid and not as good. I think as he, it's a little and, different. And, and yeah, and not to, and not as George. good as he is now. Tyrese Maxey, but like, dude, like now that team is just bound to be so efficient. And like, Harden doesn't even need to play make as much because of the fact that like these other guys in his starting lineup are also averaging like a fair amount of assists. Like, o- like over the last month, I mean, like I know it's not you know exponential, but like Kawhi's averaging four and a half assists and. Well, yeah, I think they're all willing to move the ball because I think they now trust each other and their game. Yeah. The chemistry, it took a bit to get there, but now the chemistry looks like it's really starting to like take take shape and they look like a well-oiled machine. Before we end off this video, we wanted to talk about, obviously, the trade deadline just went down last week. So we wanted to share each of our favorite trades from you know the deadline, which I'm gonna, we'll start off with mine. And I just wanted to really talk about the Mavericks and Daniel Gafford because that was mm. just an awesome, awesome move because... Danny, we, we know that the rim protection has been a little lacking in rebounding for the Mavericks. Obviously, Lively's been good, but he's yeah. a rookie. So getting Daniel Gafford for Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Getting him for Rashawn Holmes and a 2024 first rounder, which is not really valuable to them, is I, I think it's good. I just Gafford is going to be a very, very, very good player for them. He's number one in the league in field goal percentage. He's averaging over two blocks a game and nine rebounds. He's exactly what they need. He's young. He's athletic. This is a match made in fucking heaven for me. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Danny Gaff? Um, you know, hate to just, like, continue to mention my team, but I'm, like, really pissed that the Thunder didn't try to make a move on Daniel Gafford, and he uh, he made us pay in his debut. 
I, I will give say you that. a nice little fuck you in his first game against the Thunder. Yeah, he really did. 19 he had points, nineteen points, nine, nine rebounds, rebounds in seventeen minutes. Like, come on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I love that fit so much, and I, I think Luca's going to make him so much better because Luca's going to get him in his spots, and he's super good around the rim. He doesn't have like the best touch; like he's not going to give you a little dream shake and have a hook shot over your head. But he's really good at dunking the ball and getting to his spots like down low. He's a traditional rim running big, and I think he's going to be very, very good for this team, especially a team who needed rim protection. And he's averaging you know over two blocks a game. Yeah, I mean, based off like per thirty six numbers, that that was his best performing game this year. Obviously, my favorite you know, stat per thirty six. Yeah. <laughs> per thirty six. Nah, but I, I mean, Where like Willie Hernan Gomez looks like Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, but it's different when you're playing seventeen. I know. I'm just fucking. I, with I was about to say it's different when you're playing seventeen minutes and get nineteen and nine. That's pretty ridiculous. And no, yeah, no, nah, but I think he's going to be a guy that is honestly with the Mavericks probably going to average like fourteen and ten. I'm I'm going to say. Uh, 14 might be a little high points-wise for me, but if Luka really does get him involved, and well, I, th- I could see like 10 to 13. Well, I think Luka might have a slight point drop-off just because of the fact that like when he did end up getting I Gafford the ball. I don't think Daniel ball, Gafford's going to take away his point totals, to be honest, but maybe, I, potentially. I mean, bro, you, you could you could say that, but it's just another body that you got to get the ball. I mean, you don't have to get the ball, but like it's just another body that gets the ball. Yeah, I, and I just don't think they're going to be going out of their way to take away Luca's touches to get Gaffer obviously not. But you know, Luca always finds the open man, and he's gonna bro. Like pick and rolls are gonna be devious with that. No, he's a ball hog. He makes his teammates worse. He sucks. <laughs> I hate that narrative, bro. Fuck that. So do I. It's terrible. I, I mean, like yes, there is clips where like oh yeah, there'll be an open guy. Luca take, Luca takes he's a, a great score. Luca takes a step back three over a double team. But like, bro. I've seen him make it. Every star does that. I've seen him make and every it. Every star does that type of shit. <laughs> and he's more efficient at it than most of them. That's his shot. Anyways, so for for this deadline, what what's the trade that you really really liked uh, from the past week? Uh, I really like the trade that your team made to go out and get Boyan Bogdanovich. He like I I just it, it's kind I of actually it, called Leon Rose and told them to make that trade. <laughs> it's it's kind of ridiculous. Like it's some dude. It's some two K trade finder stuff, bro. Black magic. Yeah. How well, did, the Pistons just really waited a year or two, a year yeah. or two too late to trade Bojan. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's what that's what's awful about it is that like they could have gotten so much more value for him a year ago, and like he, dude, he's a twenty point per game scorer, great shooter, and then you guys also get Alec Burks, who you know Tibbs loves, especially at point guard. Um, yeah, and, and, one of his wet dreams. And all that the Knicks gave up is Evan Fournier's garbage salary. Quentin Grimes, who was disgruntled. Grimes is nice. I, yeah, yeah. It's not like the end of the world for those yeah, two players. Yeah, no. It's, I mean, it's very good value. He literally shoots only threes. He shoots like 38% from the field and 39% or 38% from three, 38% from the field. He like literally only shoots threes. And, uh, I mean, no, Knicks, Malachi Flynn and Ryan Archer Diacono. No. Like, <laughs> dude, who else on the Knicks bench is going to call out offensive and defensive three seconds now? That was Archie's specialty. Bro. But, um, I, I think, I think they'll live. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, and, and two second round picks, but you know, second round picks are th- very, very hit or miss. You get one, two. Well, you good talk about the second round picks too. They did all of this. They've acquired all of their players this year via trade without giving up a single first rounder. So they still have nine tradable first rounders in the next five years, which is a lot of picks. So the Knicks are now primed position to get a star. The rest of the roster is filled out, and they got rid of from Fournier's contract. So. I really think that was just a great deal for them. I mean, yeah, speaking you know, Bojan was a second rounder, pick 31. Second round pick 31. Yeah, so it was uh, Mitchell Robinson was too on that on the Knicks team. 
Tough so it was Jalen Brunson. No, but I honestly love the fit, bro. I actually love Bojan on that team. It's going to be great. I mean, he's going to have a points drop off, obviously. He had a rough first he's... game with them, but like. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have a. He, he has to gel. He's obviously going to have a slight point drop off because, well, he's not on the Pistons yeah, anymore. There's just. <laughs> but he's not just able to take whatever shot he feels like. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I can still see him going out there and averaging like 14 on really good shooting. Or I would take that gladly. 13, 13 on really good shooting. I mean, I think, you know, once he gels, it'll be really good shooting regardless, honestly. I mean, the Knicks bench is now one of the best in the league once their team oh, yeah. is fully healthy. I think that's really the only question mark now for me with the Knicks is can they get healthy? Deepest team in the East when healthy? I. I'm not. You said it, not me. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. Anyways, that's gonna do it pretty much for this week's episode. If you guys made it all the way to the end, we really appreciate it. Thank you very very much for listening, and we will be back next Tuesday with another episode of the Booming Basketball Podcast. So you know, drink your milk, eat your vegetables, and we'll <laughs> see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Peace.